0: Vivacine has called my next guest, one of the best singers ever, to come out of Canada. The National Post said, This Toronto soprano can sing a hundred-year-old German tune so lustily that you almost didn't need a translation to know that someone's about to get his throat cut, or get laid, or both. My next guest is an award-winning classical singer, who grew up in northern ontario wanting to be a rock star or a nun please welcome to the show patricia o'callahan hello nice to be here nice nice to have you here oh. there's a lot to talk about just from that intro yeah
1: yeah you covered a lot of ground there yeah but
0: for i must i must say this first of all i know it's a little bit late but congratulations on your recent Juno nomination.
1: Thank you. And I am
0: so thrilled about it.
1: And that was your first, yeah? It was my first. I have been on other CDs that haven't been nominated and won Junos, but this one was f- for me as a vocal thing, yeah.
0: That is awesome.
1: It was pretty thrilling, actually. I was excited after, you know, I've been almost two decades in the business now, and... You just gotta be patient, I tell you. Yeah. You just gotta keep doing what you're doing.
0: But you've won awards and stuff like that, doing a lot of different things. I but have congratulations th- thank you. for that. And you got to perform. I got to perform. How was that?
1: It was actually really nerve wracking because I, I know you say I'm a classical soprano, but but I actually I'm a trained soprano. I trained for many, many years and the classical world is part of me, but I have been out of it for many years. Mm. I sort of do this more crossovery, mixing genre, cabaret sort of repertoire. And yeah. so to be considered, you know, it was a best classical album, and I was part of the classical showcase. And I was last to perform, so I waited for two hours while all of these real you know just real core classical virtuosic players played mm. and i'm like oh god this isn't my world huh? so i, I, I had think to just pretend yeah well i actually felt that way a little i mean in the end i was okay but i was nervous i'm not going to
0: lie <laughs> wow um you grew up in northern ontario i did not not a place that one would think oh yeah this is where no. these classical type of singers yeah. Come from? Tell me, tell me about that. Were your parents sure. in music? No, uh,
1: Well, not really. No. I, I mean, and I, I moved from town to town. I lived in a, a lot of little towns. I was born in Dryden. I lived in Smooth Rock Falls, out, Pine Falls, Iroquois Falls, Richelieu, Quebec. Yeah. So, um, whenever we would move to a new town, I would ask if there was a singing teacher there. I obviously, okay. I had a love of it from a very young age. My mom entered me in a competition when I was five. I sang the song, I Had a Little Nut Tree, and I won. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and I think maybe it gave me a taste for the stage. I'm not yeah. sure. But I, uh, there were never any teachers, so I, I studied classical piano with you know whoever the local teacher was. And then when I was 16, I found a teacher in a nearby city, the city of Timmins, which was... The city of Timmins. The city. It was, <laughs> it's a huge... It was an hour away with literally nothing in between yeah. the town where I lived, Iroquois Falls. So I would go there and study, and I sang in a choir, and that exposed me to all of this wonderful classical music that up until that point, as you said, I wanted to be a rock singer. I sang in heavy metal bands. I just... I composed songs at the piano by myself... I didn't really know anything about classical repertoire at
0: that point. So what were you, you were doing covers in, in these bands? Covers and originals. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. I did. I did. I would do Van Halen and Ozzy Osbourne and Pat Benatar and all sorts of fun songs. Yeah, yeah that is good. so. Uh,
0: that's okay. So I'll, I, I could easily go into how the heck does it, does one get into the, the music that you do now? Yeah, um, but. What what was it about you? I know your mom entered you in a contest when you were five, yeah. but was it just one of those things that parents do? Yeah, I think Or did so. you always know, or did you always feel that you wanted to be a singer? I
1: did. I think yeah. I, I actually, you know, I, I loved music. I loved the stage. I liked acting. I wasn't clear about what I wanted to do exactly. I knew it was something like that. But then the older I got, it just became clear that I... I knew I wanted to be a singer. Yeah. And then when I discovered classical repertoire and got really into it, I became extremely passionate about it, and there was no going back from wow. there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So rock star. Um, and then none. So those are two different. Fairly different, yeah. Yeah. So mm. uh, I, I think every kid, you know, you listen to music and stuff, and you, you wish you could play guitar, sure, piano. totally. Uh being a nun, what how where did that come yeah. from? Sound of music, maybe? Was that
1: <laughs> No, it wasn't. But but um I I was raised Catholic. My dad is from Ireland. He mm-hmm. was um he came to Canada in his twenties. So, you know, we had to go to church every every week, of course. And yeah. um I I had issues with the church. I didn't love going to church. I would often, you know, sneak away and skip out and stuff like that. But I I was also I loved the the mysterious nature of it and the contemplative nature and I also loved the idea as an introverted person of being kind of a recluse just you know Hmm. being outside of the world in a safe place where you could contemplate the finer points of life or religion or meaning and dedicate your life to this I thought I thought that would be a really great thing to do. And then, obviously, there's another part of my personality that is more of a performer, and that was the rock star part of yeah. me. And, then, and so when I started learning classical repertoire and realizing if you want to be a classical singer, basically you have no life. You you know you have to protect your instrument so much you can't go out at night you can't talk loudly you can't go to bars you can't smoke you can't drink much you you have to basically be a nun <laughs> and wow. so I thought okay if I'm an opera singer I'm basically melding these two worlds together so I get my music and I get my my hermetic personality yeah. taken care of.
0: <laughs> I, I read somewhere that it was a, a, a was it a trip to Mexico? Yeah. That that. Y- the spark sort of came to well, you? Well, I
1: was I was the right age. I was 17, and I went on an exchange, and I lived in Mexico for a year, and I lived with four different Mexican families, and I went to high school there. So, you know, that was a very life-changing experience unto itself. Um, also, I mean, the Catholic culture in Mexico is awesome because it's kind of melded with the whole shamanic culture there. It's so colorful and lively mm-hmm. and, and musical. But that was just when I had started really getting into classical music and and I guess I, I re- literally had a an epiphany or a moment where I went hey I can do both of these things that I want to do in this way wow I can become an opera singer
0: <laughs> <laughs> was there um was was there a a piece of music or a singer that you were attracted to like I want to be like that yeah,
1: well you know there really was actually
0: okay. um
1: maybe not too many listeners will know this woman's name. Her name is Teresa Stratus. She is a Greek Canadian. Okay. And she walked into the Conservatory of Music in Toronto at the age of, I think, 16, mm-hmm. and she belted out Smoke Gets in Your Eyes, but in an operatic voice. Okay. And they took her into the Conservatory, and she became a star, and she then moved to New York and had many, many starring roles um on the stage, yeah. operatic roles. And then she also became, uh, there's this composer who I love called Kurt Weill, who you probably know, Mac the Knife, Three Penny Opera, things like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, his music I love so much because it's somewhere between popular and classical. You yeah. need to have an edge to sing it. It's it's very accessible, but it's still um, got tons of depth to it. And so she became sort of a master of doing his music as well. His Wife Lenya, passed down his catalog to Teresa Stratus, oh. so she was a big hero of mine when I was a young person. Yes, definitely. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, okay, that's that's good. That's good. Uh, tell me about you know when you're you're seventeen, you you come back from Mexico, still living in Iroquois Falls, Iroquois Falls, yeah, yeah. Uh, the big metropolis, yeah, that that it is. <laughs> Where do you learn how to? What do you do?
1: In terms of ha- becoming a yeah, singer, you mean? Yeah, well, So, yeah, I mean, I just, I finished up high school once I was there and okay. continued my studies and did uh, entered into the Timmins Music Festival. Okay. And, <laughs> and then I just auditioned for universities. Okay, okay. Um, And I got into University of Toronto, mm-hmm. and so I, I moved to Toronto as soon as I could and, and studied here for four years, and then I went to the BAMP Centre, then I... I went to Austria and Germany for a while, and then I came back.
0: Came back, and there's your career. Well, wasn't that simple? <laughs> no, I waitress no. for three
1: years. Sure. And then, yeah.
0: Like any artist, <laughs> exactly worth, worth their salt. Absolutely. Tell me about coming to Toronto. Um, you're in th- you're in the big, big city. Um, how did that impact mm. you?
1: Yeah, it was. It really was a shock. I mean, it took me a really long time to feel like Toronto was home, at least 10 years, definitely. Wow. Yeah, at least. I just, I, I think, you know, as a sensitive sensitive artistic type, maybe you you just, uh, I, I found so much stimuli, just too much. It was overstimulating all the time. Yeah. I still find that, frankly. think I'm just, you know, a small-town girl at heart in that I need lots of space and lots of sky and lots of quiet around me. Sure. And And it's hard to get that here. My, but I do love it. I mean, this is truly my home at this point. But uh, it took me a lot of years to find my feet, for sure. And mm. it took me moving to Germany, ah. and and thinking I was going to make an operatic career there to go. No, no, I I'm I like Canada, and I want to. Even though it's going to be more challenging, I want to make my career there.
0: Yeah. Was it hard to to focus? In Toronto? Yeah, totally. Not, not because it's a... B- totally. So one, there's, it's a big city. There's a lot of distractions. Yes. Um, yeah, so tell me about it's that. The distractions, yeah. yeah.
1: And I remember I saw a TVO show on hockey players once, like star hockey players. Hmm. And it said, you know, all of these guys, except two who were from Montreal but had special upbringings, they basically grew up in tiny towns where they had one-on-one t- time with them and the ice sure. and these guys from Montreal had special situations where they had like their own lake or whatever and i feel the same way about a lot of cl- a lot of classical musicians who i knew grew, who i know grow, grew up in tiny little places because you need the one-on-one time with your instrument and you're just not going to get it. It, it i i do find toronto so full of distractions yeah. Um, and it's it's a challenge for sure to f- just put in your hours.
0: Did with you find music. yourself ever thinking, ah, forget about this classical music stuff? There's no. there's other things out there. Well,
1: whatever. I I mean I I did ex- I've explored other genres of music most definitely, okay, sure, and yeah. I, I would say I'm not really uh, well. I don't know if I'm considered a classical singer anymore or not. I certainly can, and sure. I have that training. But um, but no, I never considered doing anything else other than singing. Never, uh, no. That's yeah. amazing. It is, and <laughs> considering it's not an easy career, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Um, tell me about Ban- you. Were, so you went to Banff after Toronto. Yeah, yeah. Tell me, like, is it easy to get there? Did you have to apply? I tell applied. About yeah, that.
1: yeah, and I got a scholarship. Um, I think, you know, for young singers. I- Coming out of universities at the time, it was, they're changing the programs all the time there, but this particular one was all uh, 20th century classical music, and I got in, and it was a fantastic, life-changing experience. I mean, that place is amazing, and that's a place that has no distractions. That is, you know, your bed's made for you every day, your meals are cooked for you every day, you do nothing, and you know, there's beautiful mountains mountains. and lakes everywhere and rivers. And you're just there to focus on your art, and you're surrounded by other artists of all disciplines that you can talk to at dinner or lunch, and it's a wonderful, creative, exciting place to be, yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah, I went there,
0: I didn't attend there, I went there for a concert a couple of years back, I just happened to be nice. just outside of Banff and Yeah. There was a concert happening at the center, and I went, and we're sitting there, and I go, we're in the middle of the mountains. Right listening so to music. So
1: magical. And that's the thing like you're in the mountains every day you're rehearsing or or performing and you look out and that's your view. It yeah. is truly spectacular. And the and the smell of the pines and <gasps>
0: it's just dreamy. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine that. Uh Germany. Mm-hmm. What took you to Germany?
1: Well, I I got a I got a grant uh and I got into a program in Austria, an operatic program. Okay. And then I thought I had one friend in Germany, and I thought, you know, I'm just going to try and stay here and audition for opera houses. Okay. I was very young. I would say too young to to try to get into opera houses. I was, you know, 23 or something like that. Um, but I did, I just decided to stay. I, I, I made a home in Hanover, and... Uh, I taught English to business people. Oh, wow. So it was a great way to learn German, actually, because I was constantly translating all day. And uh, I lived there for a year. I studied with an amazing baritone, Thomas Kvastow, and did some concerts. And, And that was when I just thought, I actually, I think one night I was, you know, steeped in this classical world, and I heard a party going on. In the distance, and there was like a Prince song playing, and I went, "What? What am I doing? Like, why am I dedicating myself to this music that is written by people who are dead for hundreds of years? I I want to do something that's now, that's relevant, that's m- being written today. And so that's when I decided I wanted to start focusing on music, any genre, okay, uh, of composers that are alive today. Ah. So I, I switched gears there, and then I thought I want to live in Canada. And I even though Canada is a younger country and classical music isn't so valued here, I can educate my audiences by doing some accessible stuff and then some more challenging stuff. And I sort of saw it as a mission. And so I came back here, and that's what I started so doing. So that was
0: the change from classical music to... To
1: cabaret is what I was called. I okay, made an album, cabaret, okay. and, and it was picked up by a label. And then I was sort of dubbed a cabaret singer from then on. Oh. Um, and it was as good a label as any just because it allowed me to be super eclectic in my repertoire choices. So what does that mean, cabaret? Yeah, that's the question, right? So I would say it generally means uh, you're mixing up disciplines so a cabaret you would see like a spoken word artist you'd see an acrobat you'd see a singer okay yeah yeah. Uh, you'd see it in a fairly intimate space not not bigger than a few hundred people it would potentially be a rowdy space certainly there would be drinking um uh could be political could be you know socially or uh you know any of those you know the cabaret sort of the idea came about in in germany and france at the beginning of the last century through social mm. and economic upheaval. And it was sort of a rebellious thing that they did. Yeah, So that's where the word comes from. And, and yeah. Mm, yeah. And so there are certain composers that are associated with cabaret.
0: Okay. Yeah. And you still consider yourself a... Uh, would you consider yourself a cabaret? Or no, or not You really. do everything now.
1: Yeah. I, I just consider myself a singer of songs. Yeah. That's, what m- that's what's on my
0: business card. <laughs> a singer? <laughs> you have a business card? I have a business <laughs> yeah. card. I'll show it. It's really pretty. It's really pretty. Um, <laughs> I, I want to get to, I want to continue this because I, I, you, you've done a a Leonard Cohen. Yeah. Album. Yeah. Um, I want to get to, but I, I want to go back a bit. Um, your first, I, I I always ask people, you know, depending on what they do, your first gig, but I, your fir- I think you shared a photo recently. might've been on your Instagram about your first gig in Ottawa. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't know where I saw that. Yeah. Might have been I would've Insta- been on Instagram. Yeah. Tell me about that.
1: It was just a random gig, but I... That was just... I had... um, I think I'd just been picked up by a label. I'd released my first CD. Yeah. And it had, you know, distribution. EMI was on board. I got it my first agent. And so I got my first tour. And it was just a tour. I think it was only in Ontario. Mm -hmm. But it was, you know, quite a few gigs. And it was all in bars. And so that was the idea. I was singing these... A lot of them were pretty pretty classical tunes and yeah. then some more slightly sophisticated poppy tunes. Uh, and I would just do them in bars. I did them here at the Rivoli and... Um I don't, you know, a whole bunch of little towns. I, I don't even remember the name of the place <laughs> in Ottawa, uh, but but obviously someone took a picture and, and yeah. gave it to me twenty years later, which was pretty funny. Oh, and so I you g- just received that? Yeah, for yeah. An oh audience my. member. I did a show there at the Ottawa Chamber Festival this this past summer, and an audience member gave me an envelope with pictures in it. Oh and my goodness! Yeah, and that was when I was, you know, I was singing the Leonard Co- Cohen song "I'm Your Man," and I was dressed in drag, and I was. It was sort of. You know that was the cabaret thing that I yeah, was doing yeah, yeah. for sure more than yeah.
0: Um, and then I think you also shared a photo or, or I read somewhere you you did a concert at Ted's Wrecking. Oh yeah, Wrecking
1: I did at least one gig at Ted's Wrecking Yard. I don't remember where you. You must have just read that somewhere. I think I
0: read that somewhere. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Does that s- place still exist? Uh,
0: it sounded know. familiar to me. It was on College Street. Yeah, but it might have been. Might have I changed remember names.
1: my brother came to the gig. And because it was a it was a loud bar, and I yeah. was doing this delicate music with just piano, and I may have had a bass player by then, but maybe not. And I, we were sound checking, or the gig was on. No, the gig was on, and yet there was another venue upstairs, and it was like booming loud music. And my brother ran upstairs and like pulled the plugs out of. The- <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. I That's don't know what awesome happened. Brother. It was pretty awesome of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: It wasn't a band that he unplugged, was it? Or was Hopefully, it, just,
1: it was just recorded <laughs> just music. Just someone
0: playing their, <laughs> playing their radio. Yeah. Um, how, how, how does it, f- I mean, you, you've been doing this for now almost two decades. Yeah. So, so I'm sure it, you could sing anywhere. But back when you were young and you're, you're in these places and you go, this is where like rock bands come in that are you know loud rowdy music was there ever any intimidation at all in some of these places some of these yeah, venues?
1: yeah i mean in in those early years um because i was getting a lot of attention i was getting a lot of media attention i was being therefore i was getting offered all of these gigs that like were with i'd be a guest among a whole bunch of like pop singers or rock, st- like really much heavier, heavier bands. And I was like this classical singer. So I would definitely feel out of place in in a lot of those gigs. Yeah. And and I was quiet. And so a lot of people would just be talking in the loud bars and nobody could hear what I was doing anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, th- it wasn't a big deal. I mean, yeah, it was fine.
0: Good. When did you decide to cover Leonard Cohen. How did that come
1: really about? Really early. I that's so when I thought about doing this idea of mixing sophisticated pop songs with high lo, you know lighter classical music I I the song Take This Waltz by Leonard Cohen I thought, you know, this is like it's it's from a a Lorca poem. It's about Vienna, it's a waltz, it's very classical in its nature. I could sing this like an art song. And so I started including it and then and this was back in like early 90s. Hmm. And I'd heard hallelujah. I heard the um what is it? John Cale version. There was a really early cover album that he he covered. It was just him and a piano and he has a really raspy voice and I was like, "Oh my god, this song is amazing." Yeah. I don't know if I can do it because it's really a pop song, but I love it so much I feel like I can. So I started singing it with piano, and I would, I would program it with like a Mozart hallelujah and a Schubert song, and then I would do the Leonard Cohen hallelujah. And at that time, nobody knew the song, right? It wasn't popular. Sure, yeah. yeah. This was well before Katie Lang or any of the other covers. And they'd be like, wow, that song, that's amazing. And, <laughs> and so those were the first two Cohen songs that I... Started performing, and then people just started demanding them, and so then I added more, and then uh, I was coming to the end of my label deal with my my record label, and they just I kept offering them suggestions, and they were like, "No, we don't want that. No, we don't want that." And I'm like, "What album should I do that you want?" And yeah. They're like, "How about an Al Cohen?" And I'm like, "Of course I'll do that. <laughs> Absolutely." <laughs> So I did, and it's been, yeah, I've been touring that show now for years. Oh, wow. It's very popular. Nice. And again, we approach it more like, almost like art songs, and I have an Egyptian singer with me, um, and she plays um, on her Egyptian instruments, which gives it a really neat feel and sound Mm. and just, you know, very different. It's just great music, and it's great poetry. It is. It is. I add some some Spanish folk songs in there. She adds some Sufi uh, devotional songs. So we we kind of really mix it up, and
0: it's a neat show. Oh, that is so cool. Yeah, yeah. I I wanted to I want to uh, go in a direction here. Um, y- you know, you talked about working with your record label the, the first time, and you got a deal, and uh, they put you on tour, and then it was coming to an end, and they said, "This is what we want you to do now." music has changed a lot and I, and i don't mean you know what we listen to that sure that's changed but that always changes the consumption of it yeah but yeah. how how we listen to it where we listen to it yeah. uh and and on the flip side of that the people who make the music and how they earn so like yourself um it's you know selling out you know there's a record store day only because you know yeah. we, we need to uh, encourage people to go Physically go somewhere, totally, uh, and take a trip and go visit a record store. Yeah, um, I want to ask you two sides of this question. Yeah. Um, what do you tell me about the excitement that you have about music today, in ter- uh, from your from your perspective, in terms of why are things better today than they ever were? I want to ask you that question first.
1: That's that's a hard question because in a lot of ways they're really not better than they hmm. are they were. Um, Uh, But you'll ask me that question later. I'll ask you the other question. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I mean, at this, you know, because of all of the ways, all of the ways we now have access to making music ourselves, our laptops, our, we can make a studio almost anywhere and make pretty amazing music. Uh, And then we can also get it out on something like YouTube potentially. To people who will just listen to it, wh- whereas that just didn't happen before. Yeah. So that's amazing. Yeah. That's great because people can be heard. Yeah. People who just made something in their basement can be heard, and a lot of people can hear it and love it. But then they'll probably get a record deal, and then, you know, they'll get on that train. Sure. Um. Yeah. So that that's definitely one way that it's better, I would say.
0: So let me ask you the other question then. Mm-hmm. Um What's wrong with it? What's wrong with the industry today? Yeah, there are a few yeah. things that are wrong with it.
1: Yeah, one way I would say is that, um, you know, there there was a lot wrong with record labels. I mean, still is, I suppose, but there's a lot good about it too. In that, labels back in the day, they would nurture an artist. They wouldn't force them out there to be an overnight sensation. They would invest years and years in them. Bob Dylan, Gordon Lightfoot, it, you know a lot. A lot of people, they just you would never ever have their music today, mm. if if the label didn't say, "Can't make another album." Make we we you know we're we're in for ten albums. Do what you want to do, and we'll support you. We'll guide you, but we'll support it, you in your vision. Yeah, and. Uh, and that's how you get good. So that's another good thing about the industry in Canada. Actually, is okay. because we have we have some CanCon rules. Y- you know, you have to have a certain amount of Canadian content on radios, for example. Yeah. Otherwise, you just never hear it. And so then we can be supported within our country before going out into the the rest of the world, or at least into the U.S. market, which is so 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 much bigger and and has so much more competition and has more money and you know we y- there are a lot of Canadian bands that wouldn't exist that are now hugely famous yeah. because of Canadian contact because we were supporting our own and and nurturing them so that's kind of gone by the wayside that nurturing thing doesn't exist and mm. you need that as a young artist you're not perfect you don't sure. come out of the womb <laughs> being a perfect artist yeah. you have to write bad things before you can write good <laughs> things it's, you know you can't be afraid to write a bad song yeah, or you'll never write a good one so and then other you know the the whole streaming thing is a bit of an issue because people haven't figured out how to pay the artists for the streaming so you can listen to somebody's you can listen to somebody's song 1500 times and that artist will get point 0.37 cents right like Jeez. yeah so they just that's it's not regulated yet it we we haven't figured out how to pay the artist for their for their art that they have invested a lot of time and money and, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that people love. And you know, the thing about art is that it, you can't put a value, you can't put a money, you can't go, it's worth this much. It's not like that. It's not like accounting. Mm-hmm. It's invaluable in a lot of ways. It can change your life. Yeah. It's intangible. And you, you know, so therefore it often gets no value at all, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. So how does one today, um, make a living, because you don't want to go back to waiting tables like you did when you I'd got started, I'd rather right? not. Yeah.
1: I'd rather not. Sure. Um, no, you, you, I personally, because y- y- my career is a little bit unusual because it's such a niche. I have found a way. I'm not quite part of the classical world, not quite part of the pop world, but I can live in both of those worlds. So I can do a tour of soft seat theaters and attract a large enough audience or I can potentially be in um, a classical production of something, so I earn almost all of my living through live performance. Mm. Truly, yeah. But I still have to make recordings to be a relevant okay. artist. Um, I, of course, I do. You know, I, I sell CDs at live shows, and yeah. I I sell some on iTunes, of course. Um, but the royalties that I make and the money I make back from CDs is pretty negligible. Mm-hmm. It's a small amount. Personally, I also conduct a choir. Um, y- I, I don't teach that much, but I do teach, and I do master classes in universities. Um, and and for every other person, depending on their, you know, some people would have their, they would do film score work. Okay. Um, they would have, they would really work hard to get their songs placed in TV shows or you know, things like that, or they would do jingles on the side. You know, there, there are other ways that you can make a living.
0: Yeah. Um, depending on But it's not sort of like a make record, sell record, go on tour and continue to um to live off of the royalties. Absolutely yeah. not. I think I read somewhere. I don't know if it was Rolling Stone or if I heard of Rolling Stone interview or if it was on the Alan Cross show where he talked about back in the day, you would get lots of money from royalties because people continue to buy oh, your physical albums. Uh-huh. Yeah, no. But today, there is none of that, and so that's why you've got Elton John doing a three-year
1: exactly
0: goodbye tour. Yeah,
1: totally. The you you know? see all of these comeback things. It's yeah. like they've got to earn their living. It's the only way.
0: The Who playing Wow! Yeah,
1: yeah, you know? yeah. Things have changed, and of course, if you write, if you write music, if you write songs, you can make royalties from that. It sure. Yeah. 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 But th- you know, that's not as hugely. Sa- that's be a, a pretty small. part of It has of changed
0: it. a lot, hasn't it? Yeah. 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 Really You've happens. done now. You you mentioned TV. You've done some TV work. Tell yeah. me about that.
1: It's fun. Yeah. It's fun. I mean, it's. What can I say? I mean, I I haven't done much. I've I've done I've certainly done music videos, and I've had a couple of roles on television shows and one movie, and yeah, I, I loved it. It's it's fun and it pays really well. I don't yeah, know you, what else to wanted, say.
0: You won an award,
1: <laughs> a Golden Chief Award. Yes. So what, what
0: what was was it for a movie? It was that for you did? a movie called. Tell me about that movie.
1: It was called Yucali Hotel. Okay. And it was made in S- Moose-, Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. Okay, and the Golden Sheaf Award—that's that's like all the West Coast. It was also nominated for three Gemini's, though, and it won one. Look at was that! Great, yeah, nice, yeah, yeah. And it was—it was basically a music movie. It was okay. about this singer who was also a waitress named Trish. Huxley Workin- Workman was in it. Um, Were you Trish? I was Trish. Oh. Uh Mary Margaret O'Hara was in it. Yeah. It, yeah. it was. And it was a, just a bunch of songs, but it, it wove its way through this hotel and all the things that had happened in this hotel. Okay. And it was mysterious and really beautiful. Really beautiful movie. Yeah.
0: And you won an award for this? Yeah. Nice. yeah, it was like
1: Best Female Performance or something like that. <laughs> it was super fun. Yeah. Have you ever thought of
0: like doing that full time? A or? little
1: bit. I thought about it a little bit and yeah. I was actually approached by like an, an agent and so I, I went to him and honestly... I have gaps in my teeth. That's just not acceptable on TV. So that's one thing. <laughs> well,
0: they can digitally remove those or I add suppose those. I they could. They can add teeth.
1: Um, and I just don't think I could hack the the auditions. Like, you got to be auditioning all the time for mm. stuff. And, like, you get turned down because you're an inch too short. Or you don't know your eyes are the wrong color. And plus... Acting's really hard for me singing okay. is way easier than yeah. acting, yeah it, I'm much more <laughs> natural. I do love it, and I enjoy it, but i yeah,
0: I didn't want to dedicate my life to it. Uh, I read somewhere that you just finished um a residency at Soul pepper theater, yeah, yeah, that was great nice. what were you you were there for a while now six six years six years,
1: yeah, there were twelve of
0: us, okay,
1: residents, artists we were called, and it was basically um. You know, it's known as a theater company, so they wanted to expand the breadth of it. So they brought in twelve artists that were not actors. So okay. six of us were musicians. There were two choreographers. There were some writers, um, and we basically animated the space around their theater season. With we had a, a, a cabaret festival for seven years. Um, we had a different different festivals throughout the year we had cabaret shows in the spaces weekly and so we would program these things and they it was it was fantastic it was a great experience for me because they would give me a budget they'd say um do a gordon lightfoot songbook and i'd like i've never i don't know any gordon lightfoot songs i'm gonna do this and it's gonna and (laughs) so it was really great for me for stretching you know they'd give me a big budget to work with and trust me and it was really really great that way and we i invented a whole bunch of new shows there i mentored young artists i started a choir um taught i taught uh you know the young academy it was it was great to stretch all of my skills and to just give me a whole bunch of new skills basically yeah it was really
0: nice yeah it was good you mentioned before that you you conduct a choir? Yeah. You still do? Yeah. Tell me about that.
1: Well, we started it at Soul Pepper. Okay. And then they didn't want a community choir anymore. So we were going to assume that we were going to disband it. It's it's me and four other people. Okay. And so it was a small group.
0: Uh, no, no. Oh, the choir is big. There are ah. five of us who it. Okay. We were five resident artists. Okay, okay, yeah. okay.
1: And um, so we're like, okay, no more choir. And then the choir just loved it so much. They got together. Yeah. And they're like... We're going to keep going. And they made a committee, committee and they found a venue. It's in the East End. It's in a church at Dixon Hall at Parliament and Carlton. Okay. And they're like, we'll, we'll pay you the same as they did. And will you keep conducting our choir? So now it's in its 10th year. Oh, my goodness. I know. And we do at least four shows a year, usually more. We're going to do stuff in Luminato this year. And oh, wow. It's a community choir, non-audition. So, like, no auditions. Anyone is welcome. And it's a kind of a free for all. It's it's super fun, and I've really really grown to love
0: those guys. Yeah. I should I should invite you out to our choir. I oh, don't, I do not yes. sing. Yes, I, I must say that I do not sing. But you are in a choir. I'm on a board. Oh, so it's a it's a community choir. It's a non profit uh, Bach Children's Chorus. Sure. Yeah. Um, they're out in they're on the East East End in Scarborough. Yeah. Okay. And uh, yeah, my son is finishing his fifth year. Fantastic. With them.
1: That early choral training—it's yeah. so important. It gives you this exposure to this wonderful music and this great skills that you'll have for the rest of your life. It's.
0: I'll uh, I'll, I'll shoot you a note to tell you what we're playing at. Yeah, do. they? I should I say we, they're playing at the Toronto Arts Center. It used to be called the Ford Center for the Performing Arts, up, up on Young up and north. Young and Shepherd. Yes. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah.
1: That's a great venue.
0: Yeah, yeah, great. I'll shoot you a note. Okay, do on that you should you should uh, do. Come and check these yeah, little kids yeah. out. Yeah, I bet. I yeah. bet they're great. They are. Well, what it was interesting, I saw again, I've, I've been checking out your Instagram to learn more about you, but you were with a friend of yours and you were doing some singing and some, some music. Oh, yeah, on, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so there's this group. What is that called, by the way? What, body percussion? Body percussion. Okay.
1: That stuff? Yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: There's a, there's a group in this chorus called Octava. There's like, there's eight of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they do some of that stuff as well, and they sing. And they're the older kids; they're like university age. Yeah, yeah. Amazing, just really, really good. So that reminded me. Oh my goodness, yeah. That stuff is fun. It is. It is. Um, Tell me about the coolest place you've performed at.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, Or the most interesting place. There have been a few. Yeah. I mean. In Toronto, my favorite venue, I would have to say, is Kerner Hall. Sure. It's so beautiful. And I was, you know, it's 1,100 seats, so I was a little scared because most of my shows are, you know, between two and four or 500 people. And I thought, I'm going to have to change the way I work, you know, talk to the audience. It's going to be different. And... Not at all. It's such a magically intimate space that you are, are exactly the same. The acoustic is exquisite. You just get way more feedback back. When, you know when okay. you tell a joke or whatever. It, yeah, that's an amazing venue. Um, I do this festival in Mexico from time to time, mm. and we do we do like salons in the afternoon in people's villas. Sure. And so I just did one back in February in this really, really magical courtyard uh, just, you know, in the middle of Mexico, which was wonderful. Um, And often private gigs are like that, where you just are in these magical private spaces. Uh, I performed at Royal Opera House in in London. Wow. And that was a thrill. But, you know, like I love Joe's Pub in New York (laughs) or, you know, Poisson Rouge. Yeah, so I, I, as long as as long as the acoustics are good, yeah. the audience is good, it's going to be great.
0: Has there ever been a show or a place where you're you're in there and maybe you realize it right away, or as you're performing, you go I really need to finish this quick. Oh, I need to get <laughs> out of here.
1: <laughs> no, but there have been more
0: <laughs> painful experiences. Like, oh, uh,
1: I mean, I I was touring. We were touring in the East Coast a couple of years ago, and it was February to be fair, but the theaters. One in particular I don't remember the small town but the theater was so cold. It it was it was like 50 below inside. Wow. It was and and so you're on stage and I've got, you know, gowns and sleeveless things and and it's ridiculously cold. And I have more than once brought my coat on stage and perform because it's rid- like you shouldn't. Come on. It's too cold. <laughs> it's too cold. I'm s- freezing up here. <laughs> yeah. So those are the only times, really. Yeah.
0: What's What's up and coming for you? What's What's next on the horizon?
1: Well, so the the little video you saw on my Instagram of my friend and I yeah. doing body percussion, yeah. we are doing uh, a retreat okay. together in Ju- June twenty one, twenty two, twenty three, just a couple hours north of Toronto. Um, and so she's a choreographer dancer, I'm a singer, so it's basically a movement and singing retreat. Where we'll do a whole bunch of games, improvs, and we'll learn songs. We'll and we'll learn dances, and we'll perform them at the end of the weekend. We'll hang out in nature. That's coming up, so that's called the Singing Body Retreat, um, at Sugar Ridge Retreat Center. You can find it on my website and yeah. just email me about it. Uh, I am doing. Uh, I just got a grant to write a song cycle with a really great composer, David Braid, who was the composer of the album that do won I, the yeah. nominated yeah. Juno-nominated CD. So we're going to write some songs together, which I'm super excited about. And then, gig-wise, I've I've just got um, gigs at festivals throughout the summer and uh, here in town a little bit. Um, and you can always I send out a newsletter, you know, a few times a year. You can always check out my website for my most recent dates. They're What's your there. website URL? You it's uh, Patricia-O'Callahan.com. No apostrophe between the O and the C of O'Callahan. So, www.patricia-ocallahan.com.
0: Thanks so much for coming in. My pleasure.